Okay, if, um, if anyone's having trouble with the batteries in your listening device, uh, then uh, Matthew has replacements for those. So please see Matthew here. Of course, the irony is if you're having battery trouble with your listening devices, you did not hear this announcement. <laughs> we just have to live with these ironies. <laughs> Someone during the break uh, said that one of her sayings that she used to say with her children uh, in middle school was, you're sounding like a broken record. And then she realized that they didn't understand that at all. And uh, but that just, it just came back to me just as I was coming into the room that uh, it's, I think we all sound like a broken record inside our heads. That's the thing. That's, that's samsara. It's like, uh, it's like a broken record inside our heads. And just keep looping back. Okay, so let's start with uh, recalling again our deepest purpose for being at the retreat and for practicing, and then just uh, settling into that that purpose or resting in that purpose for a moment.
just resting in the qualities evoked by that. Now we'll just uh, go into the letting bees again. So first, uh, some abdominal breathing. Just uh, coming down from the thinking mind into the body. And feeling the gravity of the body. Then inhaling from the abdomen so it expands. And then slowly, completely exhaling. And then resting for a moment if you'd like before inhaling again. And repeat that a few times. Just relaxing into that. Slow, complete exhale. And then let the breath just go into its own natural flow while feeling the abdomen move with the breath. Now notice any feeling of tightness or holding on within the body and let that relax. Just allowing bodily feelings to settle in their own way, in their own time.
and just deeply let be into the body by letting the body unify you with it more and more as if the body is meditating you. And while still breathing from the abdomen, just notice any sense of holding on to the breathing process and let that relax. And then deeply let be into the feeling of the breath, just letting the feeling of the breath draw you into it more and more, unify you with it more and more. Breath by breath. As if the breath is meditating you. And now, letting be in the mind, just raise your gaze, raise your eyes to look ahead with a panoramic gaze. <coughs> it just spaciously encompasses the whole visual field. And leave all the senses wide open and just relax into that panoramic sense, sensory awareness. Just relaxing into that. And notice any grasping in the mind to any mental construct, like holding on to any sense of self or framework of, of thought. And let that feeling of holding on in the mind just relax deep within. 
And with that, you can let the mind settle back a bit inwardly and just come to rest in the background of its awareness, which is naturally wide open and luminous, like a sky. So letting the mind just relax into the spacious backdrop of its experience beyond reference points, just wide open, limitless, radiant. And let this natural, total openness of awareness just unify you with it more and more. Just letting it meditate you. By letting everything be. Let whatever thoughts, feelings, sensations arise, just, just metabolize themselves within this sky-like openness, sky-like expanse of openness and clarity by just letting everything be. And when the mind closes up again and holding on to a narrow sense of self or frame of thought, and again, just let the mind, with this panoramic gaze, let the mind just settle back a bit into the utter openness and clarity in the background. 
just naturally wide open, limitless, radiant. And let everything that arises in experience just metabolize itself in that utter openness or basic space and lucidity. By letting it all be.
And you can let this practice continue to resonate into what comes next. So again, the the mind is usually, or almost always focused outwardly, as it were, on changing phenomena of sensory experience uh, and on uh, uh, the objects of thought and so forth. Almost always uh, focused uh, externally that way. So here with the panoramic gaze on the whole sensory field, we let the mind, uh, so the panoramic gaze is such that we're, we're not picking out anything in particular to focus on. The panoramic sensory field already has a kind of an intrinsic spaciousness or basic space to it that we can begin to sense, not focusing on any particular thing. So with the panoramic gaze on the sensory field, we let the mind settle back a bit internally to uh, rest in its own awareness which is naturally wide open and luminous. Now the awareness takes expression as that panoramic sensory field and also as all other phenomena of our awareness but uh, that basic awareness takes expression as that panoramic sensory field and the sense field is is uh, changing and moving, but uh, the spacious awareness that takes expression as that field is stable. So it's like, uh, have any of you been at a movie theater and then turned around to look at the uh, light coming from the projector? So you're at a movie theater and you're seeing all the shifting images on the screen and then you turn around and look at the light coming from the projector and that light is just a stable flow of light. It's very much like that. Um, Metaphorically, this is our practice here is like settling back into the light from the movie projector, settling back into the source of the uh, phenomena. And the light itself, qua light, as light, is not changing. It's just a continuous flow of light, of radiance. And that becomes changing images on the screen. Similarly, settling back into the innate openness and lucidity of awareness uh, is stable but it takes expression in the various phenomena of our experience. So this, this practice of settling into the stable background or ground of cognizant openness uh, provides further access to the qualities of awareness. Uh, steadiness of mind, a very grounded equanimity, more ease of being, 
more uh, inner freedom, uh, fuller presence, uh, a basic kind of peace kind of given in the ground of things. And because as we begin to engage the practice, the mind is not caught up in shifting patterns of uh, thought and reaction, but starting to abide in the stable backdrop of cognizance and openness in its simplicity, uh, there's a relatively unimpeded inner readiness to sense the beauty in things, the freshness of things, uh, to appreciate things and beings, uh, to have reverence and natural affection for them also. So with practice over time, as, as the mind begins to catch on to this, even little by little, uh, the mind can, can learn to settle into deepening states of tranquility or shamatha with an increasing trust in it, trust in what the mind is letting go into um, because it has those qualities. And all of that, this whole process is supported by practices of devotion, like the field of care practice, which is kind of a practice of devotion adapted from Buddhism, and all the practices of love and compassion that unfold from that. All of these help support and further empower uh, deepening shamatha, deepening in levels of tranquility, which gradually can just of itself, in a very natural way, begin to open into a direct glimpse or recognition. Ngo Tre in Tibetan it's called, a direct recognition of the empty, non-dual nature of mind, uh, of reality, actually. The cognizant aspect um, comes into a direct recognition of the emptiness in a non-dual way. And that's called rikpa, that uh, recognition, that non-dual recognition by the cognizance of the empty nature of all things. The empty nature within everything being cognized or experienced. And that empty nature is undivided. It's not like this is empty and that's empty and that's empty. There are procedures in various Buddhist traditions to look into this and that and body and mind and all the sense of self and look into this and then this and then this and we discover that it's, it, it's empty, that there, there's nothing substantial there. There's nothing even findable there. Ultimately, we can't find anything. It all just breaks open. So there, there some confusion can come with that as if the, the cultivation of emptiness involves this endless analytical procedure to find emptiness in things and categories. And that is part of Buddhist tradition, but uh, it's a mistake to think that emptiness then is 
intrinsically divided like that. This has its emptiness and that has its emptiness. I mean, they do in a manner of speaking, but fundamentally the empty nature phenomena is undivided. Like space. Space per se is not divided by the fact that we're in a room. The space of the room is not intrinsically separate actually from the space beyond the room. It's actually, in space qua space is actually undivided. But we may become aware of it first within the room or beyond the room. That, that's our analytical procedure. But that's not reality per se, which is undivided. That undividedness of the basic space of phenomena, or the emptiness of phenomena, which is, un, which is unconditioned, becomes a very stable ground of, uh, of equanimity and equanimity with regard to all beings as actually not different not different realities or different substances, but undivided in the very ground, in the very essence, their empty essence. Empty, lucid essence. So as we cultivate practices of devotion and love and compassion, like, kind of like the we we've been doing here in adapted forms in this sustainable compassion practice, but they're adapted from Tibetan Buddhism, or so in all the traditions of Buddhism where we cultivate those things or generate those things, they help increasingly empower the mind to trust enough to just allow one's whole being to relax so deeply that the mind starts to revert to its most natural state, as it's called in Tibetan, neluk. The mind can revert to its primal or primordial or most natural state prior to all its caught upness, um, which is a primordial unity of emptiness and clarity and capacity beyond all points of reference, beyond duality, unimpeded, undivided, transparent, all pervasive, unchanging, unconditioned a basic space and clarity in which all thoughts, feelings, and patterns of mind that arise can find no footing in that emptiness. So they just naturally self-release or self-liberate, as it's called. And everything, all phenomena of experience are then sensed as what's called rikpetsal, which means uh, radiance of primordial awareness. Everything starts to be experienced as like radiance, the radiance, radiant expression of primal awareness, that unity of space and uh, clarity. Kind of like uh, the sun uh, aware of its rays. So uh, there's a quote I really love by Dilgo Kensei Rinpoche, who's one of the root teachers of the traditions that I practice in. So one of my root teachers in that sense. 
the teacher of my, of my main teachers um, on this practice of uh, merging with uh, the basic space and lucidity and the ground of our being. So Dogo Kensei Rinpoche um, said, and then it was written down, the source of all phenomena of samsara and nirvana is the nature of mind, uh, void, luminous, all-encompassing, vast as the sky. When in that state of sky-like vastness, relax into its openness, stay in that very openness, merge with that sky-like state. And naturally, it will become more and more relaxed. Wonderful. If you become accomplished in this method of integrating mind with view, your realization will naturally become vast. And just as the sun shines freely throughout space, your compassion cannot fail to shine on all unrealized beings. All beings who have not yet realized this innate, deep, innate inner freedom, dimension of freedom. So as uh, Kansai Rinpoche uh, is saying, the all-inclusive sky-like quality of the nature of mind supports and takes natural expression in an all-inclusive power of care and compassion for beings who suffer from being out of touch with that, that, that nature, that dimension of freedom. That dimension of freedom is their, their deep nature, everyone's deep nature, but many of us are out of touch with it. So when someone gets in touch with that deep nature and is unified with it more and more, the perspective automatically is one of profound compassion for all beings who are out of touch with it. And that's a kind of deepest level of compassion. Because the suffering begins the moment we're out of touch with that dimension of freedom, that basic space, we're already uh, thrown into suffering automatically at subtle levels that are pre-conscious to us and then take expression in further layers of suffering and reactivity and causes of suffering. The moment we're out of touch with that dimension of unconditioned space and lucidity of freedom we're already caught in suffering. That's why from a Buddhist point of view, it's really not enough to have compassion the way we usually use the word, only for the most obvious forms of suffering. If we were wiser from this point of view, if we had much deeper awareness, we, we would have compassion for everyone who's uh, out of touch with uh, the, the freedom that's uh, the basic space and the depth of their being.
and we can't really move further in that direction, that the one I just described, if we continue to think of compassion as only for those with obvious sufferings in that, that moment in their lives and not the rest of the layers of suffering. It's all important. It's not dismissing the former for the latter. It's just holding an awareness of all the layers from obvious to least obvious or least conscious. Because it's often those subliminal layers or less conscious layers of suffering and reactivity and causes of suffering that lead to the individual and social behaviors that then become uh, obvious suffering, obvious harm. So if we only focus on the obvious level of harm, we're, we're not in touch with underlying uh, deeper causes of it within the human mind. So any questions at this point? And then I'll uh, uh, talk briefly about a related practice called Sky Yoga. There don't have to be questions. It, it can be, for this particular practice, it can actually be helpful to not talk a lot about it, but just uh, have a transmission of it. Um, as I told someone earlier, that some, uh, of course, uh, many of us uh, may struggle a bit with this practice. It's a bit, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's not, by and large, what, what many of us are used to. Um, and it can be quite challenging. But we've already been doing these practices of field of care, which is a kind of devotional practice, if you will, kind of a, a receptivity, increasing receptivity to a kind of a power from beyond our making, if you will, and, it's, and how that can bring out powers of warmth and love and compassion. And then when we go into the releasing phase of all those practices, the, we let the love and compassion their energies and qualities help take us into this letting be meditation. We've been doing it with every practice and that can gradually unfold more and more. So if we struggle with this particular practice, it's okay. I mean, that's in a, in a way, that's very normal. It's very different from the way we're used to being. So if that's happening, no need to worry about that. The other practices are all related to this one, all, all pointing into this one as well in their own time. Love and compassion can take us to more wisdom. And then a little more wisdom helps love and compassion come out a little more. Uh, the other point I would make is that we can listen to the instruction without worrying about it so much. If we're having a hard time following it, don't worry about it so much. The transmission of this instruction and the power of it is here in the room. So you can just just settle into that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, rest in it. Thank you. Just like that. Just rest in that transmission. It's in the room. And let that hold you. That's all. That's a large part of what's going on in the transmission of these kinds of practices, in my experience from my own teachers. And eventually it kind of dawns on, on us in our own time. 
So, uh, and as I said, though, talking a lot about it uh, uh, can, can sometimes uh, interfere a little bit. So I don't, I don't encourage tons of long descriptions of things, but, uh, but a targeted question uh, can be helpful. So if, the, if there are any questions. Uh, yeah, this one back there. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.